Have you ever wanted to celebrate? Like you're ready for a great celebration and yet it seems like situations keep coming up. Challenges keep surfacing and it's like you can't. Or have you ever looked forward to the holidays? You're ready to celebrate and for whatever reason you are stopped in your tracks. Or maybe you've even been invited to a party ready to celebrate someone else and you just go, I just don't feel like it. And so you don't go. So today we are going to be talking about how to deal with this thinking of, okay, if our heart is changed, if our heart is beating to the rhythm of love and peace and joy, if we have a heart that is full of love for others, then how do the things we celebrate begin to change and shift? How does our life begin to change? As we're going to get into this discussion, we are going to go to the book of John, the Gospel of John. And this is a story where Jesus is talking to a woman. He is talking to the Samaritan woman, but we're going to be at the tail end of that conversation. And that conversation is really important. They have a very honest conversation that becomes life-changing. And we've talked about this before of how a conversation can be transformative, that even a short one can begin to change perspective, change our lives, change our trajectory. And here we get that with the Samaritan woman. And not only does it change her trajectory in life, it transforms her and actually begins to transform the community around. And they begin to celebrate things that they never even considered possible, that they never even considered they could celebrate. And so for ourselves, as we're thinking about celebrations, especially as we are going into this holiday season, of how do we think of celebrating maybe smaller things in life, maybe things we had never even considered? How do we begin to celebrate on a daily basis and not just the things that are expected, the big holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, job promotions, retirements. How do we begin to celebrate little things every single day that are connected to Jesus, that are connected to this transformative conversation? Beginning in John 4, verses 27 through 32. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. In the meantime, the disciples spoke to Jesus saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. All right, so the book of John, it's a little bit different than the other three Gospels. And there are a lot of stories in the book of John that aren't in the others. It's also important to note that the book of John, it absolutely has women at the center of Jesus' ministry. It's Mary Magdalene that is the first to the two that is there at the resurrection that gets the first conversation with Jesus. And here, this is kind of odd that in their heads, they're like, why is he talking to that woman? 
And it's odd because in the book of John, women are at the center of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is best friends, very close friends with women. And so here it's like, wait a minute, that's what you're paying attention to? Because the story is about a Samaritan woman. And what we have to know about the Samaritans and the Jews of the ancient world is that they really hated each other. And they thought really negative things and they would not associate with one another. So the weird thing is that that is what they should be concerned about. Like, why is he talking to a Samaritan? But instead, it, through their minds, they're like, why is he talking to that woman? And what's important to note is here, they didn't say it out loud. They thought it. Which means that later down the road, they're going to tell on themselves that they had these terrible judgmental statements running through their heads. But here we see the filter. They've got a filter that's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't say that out loud. That's kind of mean, and what's the purpose of saying that? And so in this first part of conversations of celebrating of the changed heart, we get this moment where they take a step back and are like, mm, we, we don't need to say that out loud. And so for ourselves, as we're thinking about those moments in life, right, that filter that goes, what's the purpose of saying that? What are we trying to do? Maybe, maybe we're thinking a little too judgmental. Why are we being judgmental about? And so a moment of taking a step back that actually allows the woman to celebrate. She is so excited that she has had this honest conversation with Jesus, that Jesus has said, hey, I know you, but I still am inviting you into love. You still belong. And she is so excited because she's like, you know, I'm an imperfect person. I've got all kinds of baggage in my life. And Jesus is like, nope, you still get to be part of what I am creating. You still get to be part of this way of living. You are loved and are forgiven. And she is so excited that when the disciples put on their filter, when they don't say what's running through their heads in the moment, it gives her space to celebrate. And she's like going and she's telling everybody. And this is really important because sometimes when we are judgmental or someone is judgmental of us, it robs us, it robs both parties of peace. It also steals the possibility for celebration. They could have stolen this moment from this woman where she wasn't going to get to celebrate. She wasn't going to say, hey, I've had this amazing conversation. Instead, their filter kicks in. They keep their judgment to themselves and they give room and space for celebration. And so to think about that of how do we give room? How do we make space? How often do we need to like hold those words in that are running through our minds because we may rob ourselves or someone else of peace. We may rob, we may steal a moment away from ourselves or someone else of celebration. Then goes on to say what they the disciples decided to talk about with Jesus. They say to him, in the meantime, the disciples spoke to Jesus saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. 
So the disciples are in this very literal moment of going, hey, you hungry? You ready for some lunch? You need to keep up your energy? You want a snack? And Jesus is like, I don't need that. I've got other food. Because he's changing the conversation here. He's actually playing on the conversation he just had with the Samaritan woman. He's actually trying to get them to focus beyond the literal, the one thing in front of them. And he's trying to expand their minds. He's trying to expand their perspectives. He's like, wait a minute, this is an opportunity to see more than what is just right in front of you or what you are only focused upon, your only perspective. Here, Jesus is giving an opportunity to the disciples. He's actually inviting them into some of this celebration that the woman has, some of this excitement, some of this like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, is there something different happening? Continuing on in verses 33 through 35, the disciples asked each other, has someone brought him food? Jesus said to them, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months, and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. All right, so Jesus responds to them again, and they're like, wait a minute, like, who, who brought food? Because they're so focused on one thing. They're so focused on what is literal in the moment. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, I need you to broaden your perspective. I need you to pay attention. Look around. Pay attention to what is abundant, what else we need in life. Jesus is having a con trying to have a conversation here with them about things that are above the basic needs, right? There's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And there are teachings of Jesus that are very much, we have got to be paying attention to one another, helping each other in the very basics of life, that people are fed, they are sheltered, they are cared for, absolutely. But Jesus is trying to have a very different conversation here. He's trying to like elevate it. He's like, wait a minute, we are beyond basic needs in this conversation. We are right now looking towards what else makes a meaningful life, that we are talking beyond the full stomachs, shelter over our heads, safety, that we're talking beyond a good job and retirement. We are talking about how we are living our life and noticing the abundance of love, of peace, of joy, of forgiveness and mercy and grace that is all around us, that, that God has given us. And if we're paying attention we get a whole new perspective of the world. Like we, we aren't focused on what we no longer, you know, like, oh, well, I don't have, or we're only focused on what somebody did to us or didn't do or how people are making our lives fall apart or making the world fall apart. Instead, Jesus is like, wait a minute, notice the abundance around. He just had this conversation with a woman that in the ancient world he should not have been talking to because she was a Samaritan, he was a Jew, and he's like, no, there is an abundance of life if we are willing to cultivate and notice the love. Notice how we can create space for belonging. Notice how holding down those judgments of saying, moving those aside can give us new understanding of one another. And so here Jesus is trying to get the disciples to open up their perspectives to something more, to something greater, to saying, wait a minute, we can elevate our lives 
by paying attention to one another, by being present, by working on these things of love, of peace, of saying, yeah, yeah, we, we do belong. Continuing on in verses 36 through 38. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying that one sows and another harvest. I have sent you to harvest that what you didn't work hard for, others worked hard and you will share in their hard work. And those who harvest can celebrate together and that we all have our unique gifts. Some sow, some harvest. And it's interesting, right? He says, to harvest what you didn't work hard for, others worked hard, and you will share in their hard work. That sense that when we're doing the hard work of love, because loving our neighbors, which means loving our enemies, which means cultivating peace, even when things around us are not peaceful. When we are cultivating joy, even though the world is like, nope, it's all falling apart. Enjoy the despair. When we're working hard in those things that are connected to God, connected to the teachings of Jesus, that we aren't doing it alone. We do not have to be alone in this. We have previous generations to learn from to glean wisdom from, and we have younger generations that give us brand new insights and everything in between. We do not do this hard work of loving one another alone. We do not do this hard work of saying, you know what, you do belong. We are going to put down that judgment. No more judging. We are going to do the hard work of being that healing presence of listening to one another and extending forgiveness when that is some hard, hard work. But we are not in it alone. Continuing on, we're switching over actually to Ecclesiastes. 8.15. So I commend enjoyment because there's nothing better for people to do under the sun but to eat, drink, and be glad. This is what will accompany them in their hard work during the lifetime that God gives under the sun. Now the book of Ecclesiastes is from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's all about wisdom. And it was made famous, really, uh, the birds... Uh, made the passage of Ecclesiastes 3 famous in their song, Turn, 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 about there is a season. There's that section of Ecclesiastes. There's also all this practical wisdom of noticing the things of life. And one of the things that Ecclesiastes tries to hit hard on is this sense of enjoyment of enjoying our hard work. And so when we pair this Ecclesiastes passage next to what Jesus means by hard work, what Jesus is talking about, the hard work of love, the hard work of sitting down with someone where everybody around says, why are you talking to the Samaritan? And Jesus is like, because that's what we, I need to do. That's a relationship I need to cultivate. When we do the hard work of peace, when we do the hard work of healing, that we need to celebrate it, that we need to enjoy it. Think about that. When we think about the usual things we celebrate in life, right? 
So often they are milestones. They are milestones of birth and anniversaries, of job promotions, of retirement. But how often are we celebrating the hard work of loving one another? How often are we celebrating the ways that we are cultivating peace? How often are we celebrating the way the sun rises and gives us such beauty in the morning? How are we celebrating? How are we celebrating those moments, those small little moments that are actually connected to the hard work that Jesus invites invites all of us into doing. Because that's the thing, like, Jesus has this conversation with the woman, he's honest and real, but he invites her into this hard work, and she's so excited about it, she's inviting other people. She's like, wait a minute, like, I, I can be forgiven? Like, you can be forgiven. Like, there is mercy. Wait a minute, there, there is grace? Like, how is this possible? And I want to share it. I want to have compassion upon others. I want to do this hard, hard work with others. And how often do we celebrate that? Because Jesus is inviting us into a life Jesus is inviting us into a way of living and being that is full of celebration. That just as inviting us into a way of love, Jesus is inviting us into a way to celebrate that with everyone we meet. Even if they are strangers. Even if we only know just a little bit. Even though we're like, not a total fan. We are still invited into this work with Jesus. Finishing up in John verses 39 through 42. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. The woman is so excited. She is so excited about this conversation. She's celebrating that conversation. She's celebrating the possibility of transformation. She is celebrating that others can be forgiven, that she is worthy, that she is loved, that she does belong, that she's inviting everybody else into it. And that they hear it and they're like, oh, I want some of that. And now they're, gonna, they're invited into that hard work. And so they're going to make space. They're going to leave room for possibility. And so they invite Jesus to stay so that they can experience. So it's not just that they've listened, just as the woman, not just that she has now listened, but now they are going to cultivate a life around them where they are experiencing what Jesus is teaching. They are experiencing firsthand that grace and love. They are experiencing firsthand that forgiveness. They are experiencing that firsthand of healing, which is what we are invited into as well. And they celebrate. This moment of 
what was considered an impossibility that a Jew and Samaritans were hanging out with each other. Like, really? Are they really hanging out with each other? And that there is something life-giving. They get to celebrate in ways that before had never seemed to be even on the table. And so what are we missing in our lives? What are we not noticing? What are we not paying attention to? Because we're so focused on one thing that we cannot see, that we are able to pay attention to all of the things we should be celebrating, all the ways that we can be celebrating with those that we know, with those that maybe we kind of know, with those who are looking for their lives to be transformed. What are the ways that we are missing and Jesus keeps calling us back to, saying, let's celebrate. Come on. Like, there's a new way of living. There's a new way of being part of. Today is considered, it's, it's a celebration of Christ. It's actually in the church calendar. It's the last day of the year. So it's like a New Year's Eve kind of celebration of looking back and going, wow, what do we celebrate? Because sometimes it's easier to look back and go, well, wait a minute. There was a moment. This is how we can celebrate. I, I can celebrate that in the hardest of times that I had a friend to go to, that there are these moments of celebration so that as we go into the new year, as we continue on, that we can take what we've learned, we can take that perspective and move it forward with us so that we notice a little quicker the moments we get to celebrate. We get to say, go, wait a minute, I need to take a pause here because even though this doesn't feel good, even though I'm struggling this day, that the holiday isn't like what I really wanted it to be, there is an opportunity for celebration if we're willing to notice. And how are we cultivating that celebration? That it's not just based upon, well, I feel today, but instead of, no, wait, I am going to cultivate through my hard work of love and peace, of joy, of forgiveness, and mercy, and grace, and healing, and encouragement. How can I celebrate this day, that moment when I'm like, ooh, that was a little judgmental. I need to put that down and shove that aside. I don't want any part of that. How do we celebrate all of those little things that Jesus keeps inviting us to live out, to be a part of, to work on with one another because we are in this together. And so how will we be lifted up but also challenged this day, challenged through this season of how we are going to celebrate all of the ways our heart has been changed so that our life, our lives are changed. The communities are transformed. Just as this story with Jesus, the Samaritan woman, and then the greater Samaritan community. How will we cultivate a life where every little thing is worth a celebration? Amen. Mm -hmm.